0: Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadgesad, and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. If you're hearing that extra lilt in Sammy's
1: voice, it's because he realized he hit the intro a little weirder than he does normally, and then he tried not to laugh while he was doing the rest of it, because even though he finds it funny, he's not sure if the rest of us find it funny. Is that accurate? accurate, Yeah, that is,
0: but can you just say hello to everybody instead of calling me out?
1: Greetings, human listeners.
0: Greetings to everyone. In case it's the first time you're listening to this podcast, I'm sorry about the awkward intro, but hello. In case you didn't know, me and Ben are a pair of automotive journalists, and we have a lot of funky stuff to talk to you about today, including some listener questions. That's my favorite part of the the podcast so far, because we've had so few of them. Um, Ben, I'm going to take the lead on this car thing first. You're okay with that? Yeah, go for it. Here we go. Uh, Recently, I had the chance to... Compare to luxury sports sedans. Here they are: the Lexus if 350 with all-wheel drive, and the Acura TLX with a, a V6 engine and all-wheel drive. Wait, no, uh, not say, just any...
1: say the entire name of that Acura because it's it's not just the Acura TLX. It's the it's the it's the what? It's
0: the Acura TLX A spec V6 Super Handling All Wheel Drive. Wow. So like
1: S H dash A W D, right? Like that's what's yeah. on the the A-S-S-T- order sheet.
0: V six F H uh, W dash A W D. So, so it's, 네. it's
1: basically vowel and consonant salad.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we've already we've always established that Honda and Acura have like this acronym generator that they just like they just it just spits out all of these acronyms every time they have a new car, and this is no um, this is no exception. That's for sure. Um, I'm going to focus primarily on the TLX super handling all-wheel drive V6 version of the car. Um, In this comparison, it was the newer car between the two. Um, If you have any questions about the the Lexus IS, just shove it. Okay, Ben? Just save it for later. You got that? Totally. You get out of here with your Lexus IS questions. Done?
1: I'm totally good with whatever you decide to talk about.
0: (laughs) Okay, so the t l x let's both agree on the fact that the t l x was um a fairly a very a fairly good car a competent car Ooh, no no i'm not gonna agree with you on that, but go on okay well, I would say that it was a okay it was a okay um, it was nothing fantastic, but it did everything it needed to do at a reasonable cost. <laughs> what it lacked was any reason to buy it, which was that's serious. I mean, that's. I think that's a really important and serious factor in the luxury car segment because you're paying more than the regular car, right? Come on. What am I saying here? Why are you so, disagreeing with me on this? Because ben, sit I, down. Because Come I'm, back into the room. First of all, the TLX exists because
1: – and this is going to sound harsh, but before the TLX came to be, which was I think in 2014, there were two vehicles from Acura, the TL and the TSX. And no one was buying either of those vehicles. So what they did was they took both of them and combined them into the TSX, T, sorry TLX, which was not quite as big as the TL, I guess, and not quite as sporty as the TSX. And they made this sort of not quite midsize car that's sort of not quite a compact. And, and not they quite,
0: wasn't quite sporty enough. And, yeah, and they cut their losses. The that's that's yeah. what the car was. So like, I don't know if you've driven the TL or the TSX. Have you driven either of those two cars? I can't remember.
1: Okay. <laughs> I think I speak for most people.
0: <laughs> okay, so I, I have driven those recently before they were replaced by the TLX, and I have to say that they were, pretty, they were surprisingly good. Um, and when the TLX showed up, it, di- it didn't capture what made those two cars good, and that's what its biggest disappointment was, I think, for the general um, motoring press. They have – I think they've addressed this issue with the TLX by giving it this A-Spec model, which is sportier, uh, not just in appearance, but in a couple of uh, key ways um, under the hood. So, so does,
1: it, does this, is this the car that comes – does the A-Spec come with the weird
0: torque converter
1: slash CVT combination transmission, or does it have the other weird Acura automatic transmission?
0: Okay, because you can get the A-Spec with both a <laughs> – uh, with both a – four-cylinder, and a six-cylinder, um, you get both of those options. So wow, the... so,
1: so, so they can't even commit to a drivetrain? It's like, what? what is the Ace? See, this is my big problem with Acura. <laughs> it's, it's what does Acura even stand for? It, the, the brand has no identity. And now they're building this A-spec car, which, I mean, oh, wait, if you've oh, ever wow. played Gran well, Turismo... I mean,
0: I'm mistaken, st- <laughs> you can... You can t- Turn it down again. The A spec is definitely only a V six model. I'm oh mistaken. wow, wow! Now I sound like a
1: total idiot.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. What but other you're falsehoods
1: right. are you just going to drop casually in the conversation to trigger me on the Acura?
0: Because I knew that Acura just it, it inspires you. Because back in the day, Acura used to be a really it used to stand for something. I think, and uh, nowadays it doesn't have that uh, that same effect. Is that fair to say? It has zero effect, I think. I think and it's a zero impact brand. The Integra Type R, or this... Uh, what was that other one that was like the Integra Type R? The RSX Type S? Yeah, no one and, bought that. That was like the beginning of the end
1: for Acura, I think. But, I mean, you know, stuff like the Vigor and the... Um, was
0: the Vigor really that
1: good? Wait, It was interesting. And the... What What was the other one with the five-cylinder?
0: Um, and it's not the Vigor? It
1: might be the Vigor. <laughs> uh, anyway... Point being, oh, and the original <laughs> RL, the original RL, so those
0: crazy. were all
1: those were all interesting vehicles, and then and then they totally abandoned anything resembling sport or I guess individuality, and it'd be there, if you look even now, like, and here's something else I'm gonna I'm gonna say about the TLX. Why would you buy a TLX when you can buy an Accord that's just as good and just as comfortable?
0: Okay, and, so and don't say the...
1: badge badge recognition because no, there is zero
0: badge. Um, equity in the Acura name? I'm going to totally address that question. This is a very important question to bring up. A lot of people look at the TLX and say um, it's either a, a glorified Honda or it is not as good as the new Honda Accord. And the new Honda Accord is amazing, especially with that two liter, four cylinder turbo that is made, like, that made its name in the Civic Type R. That you totally can't get with the TLX. That you can't get with the TLX. But what you can get with the TLX is exactly what I'm talking about. Uh SH AWD, which is the super handling all-wheel drive, and a V six, a naturally aspirated V6, which you know, some people really really dig the feel of a naturally aspirated V6 engine. Don't you I know you're one of those people.
1: I am, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I represent the majority of people buying TLXs, because clearly it's a car I would never buy. Um I just feel like it it kind of it's 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 a drivetrain that's increasingly less relevant. Um, if you look at the the real sports sedans that the t l x is going up against let's 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 play in a fantasy world where Acura is competing with the Germans and mm. it, it, sure uh, the four cylinder would have to be turbocharged, and the six cylinder would also have to be turbocharged, right? Right. I mean every even Infinity has moved away from the naturally aspirated V six. So uh, I believe what
0: the, the other car that you've talked about, the IS is the um, other car with a naturally aspirated V six. And yeah. it's only in this top range engine.
1: Yeah, and I, I would like to point out something else. I know you were kind of poo-pooing the, the IS because it's an older model, but if you look at Lexus's lineup, there's no, ana- there's no analog to the IS in the Toyota lineup. You don't look at that's the right. IS and you say, that's just a fancier Toyota X. Whereas yeah. when you look at Acura, across the board, with maybe the exception of the MDX, and I guess the NSX, although that's not – I don't really consider that an Acura product.
0: Um, Why? That's the, it's the halo of the Acura brand. Because it's a,
1: it's it's a, it's a Honda NSX in Japan, and um, they brought that's it over. because they don't
0: have Acura over there.
1: But they brought it over to be a halo vehicle when they were launching the Acura brand here, or, or well into the launch of the Acura brand, I should say, because I believe Acura launched in 86 or 87. Um mm-hmm. uh, and I understand why they rebranded it there. But when they brought over the, the S2000, they didn't do that. that. That was a Honda, too. So Honda's branding is a little strange to me. And I, I'm not willing to – I don't really think Acura engineers had anything to do with the NSX. I think that was pure Honda all the
0: way. I think it's, uh, I think it's a combination. I mean, I, I won't actually speculate as to what the – who made the NSX. I mean, it's a fantastic car, and I think it required a unique, a unique team within all of the Honda um, umbrella. But oh, that's that's an amazingly
1: that. political response. I'm very impressed, Senator <laughs> Um
0: Let's get back to the TLX, though. You know what? Uh, it was important to bring up the Lexus IS. This is an aging platform, and I think it's one of the few cars in its class that still has a naturally aspirated V6, um, all-wheel drive, and a unique platform that is not just some... Um, Modular thing that can be like stretched or shortened as it sees as the automaker sees fit And I think that's something that we're seeing across um, Some of the cars, some of the cars out there Um, Sports sedans are one of my favorite cars to to drive. I think they're a really good compromise of um, luxury performance and um, Capability like uh, versatility and you can usually get them with all-wheel drive, which is perfect for um, regions that see multiple weather conditions and I think that this TLX has, especially in this V6 A spec super handling all wheel drive <laughs> <laughs> configuration, um, is uh, has what it takes to to make an impact. Not only that, it, does it look good because they got rid of that awkward uh, beak. You know that weird shield grill that they had. I, I never had a problem with that.
1: No, you on, on the list of things that's wrong with Acura, that's like off the bottom of my list. But
0: now it looks good, so there's that.
1: Right. So so far, you've managed. You sold the TLX to me as being an Accord that has all-wheel drive and a it's, V6. Is that okay. is that accurate? <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with that? Uh, I don't know. It's just not something that I'm interested in paying a lot more money for.
0: Um. Okay. So what else can I sell you on on this car? Co- I think it's a. It, it handles much better. It ha- and. Because it has a, a unique version of all-wheel drive, it's not just some simple all-wheel drive system. No Honda gets this kind of all-wheel drive. This is super handling all-wheel drive, and it has um, torque vectoring to the to to the rear wheels, side to side as well. Well, no, so th-
1: no, no, no
0: Honda outside of an SUV or a truck gets all-wheel drive. Period. Yeah, that's. I think that's an important element here. Why would you Why would you think otherwise? I didn't why say that. Well. Why is that not an important factor to you? Because it, it can't be the sole defining factor
1: of the Acura brand. Because if you're going to look at brands that define themselves by all-wheel drive, um Audi and Subaru already beat Acura to the punch. Whoa. And it's not even consistent across the Acura lineup. You can't say yeah. that, oh, I get all wheel drive with everything. You, you can't, can't get, a get four, the,
0: I can't get the ILX with with, for mm-hmm. example, the ILX with a super handling All-Wheel Drive. You which just, also which is can't
1: a shame. get you can't get four cylinder tlx with wheel drive either can you uh
0: i believe you can't are you gonna get angry at me until i find out
1: <laughs> no, no no just i'm just not gonna i'm gonna keep my opinions to myself this time <laughs>
0: <laughs> no you're on the podcast because we want to hear it um look i think the car looks great i said that already it has now 19-inch wheels, which look insane. I mean, this car looks—it just has presence now, and that's something that the TLX didn't have. It was anonymous, and the same can be said about an, an a Honda Accord. Honda Accord is an, an anonymous midsize sedan that no one will feel cool rolling up in. Like okay, you know? but it
1: also starts at like ten thousand dollars less, so it's totally okay that it's it's anonymous. I'm not saying that you should buy an Accord instead of a TLX, even though I'm nodding while saying that. (laughs) I'm saying that, like... As a luxury car, there's nothing really special about the TLX that you can't get in an Accord.
0: Okay, well let me tell you more about this A-Spec model. How about that? This might this might sell you on this car. You love cars that have a sporty element to it and that when they say that they're sportier, they actually are sportier. They're not just a trim package, right? Like a, I mean a, a graphics package. Isn't that that's your prerogative, that's your jam. Sure, let's let's go with that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Okay, so this car, in addition to all of the cool sporty look inside and out, it has um, it has extra other cool things. Let me find them for you. It has a oh, you have to see this diffuser. Have you seen this diffuser? Oh my goodness! No, okay. I haven't seen the diffuser. It has hold on, four inch round dual exhaust finishes. Don't you think that's badass? I'm, oh, you <laughs> wanted performance. Sorry, you wanted performance. So uh, hit me with the MSRP on the Ace back quickly. The MSRP, uh, MSRP in, in the U.S. In the U.S. on the A-spec. Uh, I don't want to tell you. Why don't you want to tell me? Is it scarily high? Yeah. I'm going to say it's 53. Okay. Well, now I want to tell you. Um, is it 46? Yeah. So without the all-wheel drive system, you can get the A-spec without all-wheel drive. Wait, what? <laughs> Are yeah. you just messing with me again? <laughs> no, you can get A-spec with the V6, but without all-wheel drive.
1: Okay, so so the A spec you're saying it gives you it gives you the tr- the exhaust look. It thing. You, I haven't
0: exhaust I'll tell you what else it has you 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 cut me off before I got to it it was um just a second <laughs> oh yes it has oh the steering the steering is fantastic in this car it's so well weighted um it's been retuned for the A spec model it has different damper settings um and a quicker steering ratio for like better response as well it also has a stiffer spring rate and a rear stabilizer bar um and that's specific to the super handling all-wheel drive models so the steering has been the steering the suspension um have both been improved and there's a rear stabilizer bar to help handle um body roll i believe
1: okay and how much does it cost
0: okay without all-wheel drive sure 42 800 and with all-wheel drive Forty-four eight
1: hundred, and so the base TLX is thirty-three. So you're looking at but that's, to, that's a four-cylinder one. You really so want you're to? looking at ten grand to, to step up to the A spec at minimum.
0: A spec, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: and it, it's under three hundred horsepower.
0: hmm
1: And BMW's three series has been at three hundred horsepower since two thousand five, two thousand
0: six, something like that. But this is bigger than than a three series. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 bigger. It's So you're saying this I, goes I up against so the 5 good. Series? Is that really what you want to say?
1: No. <laughs> I don't it's think it's, anyone at Acura wants to say that either. It's definitely because, a
0: tweener. Like, you know what I mean? An in-betweener. But you know, it doesn't matter what BMW is doing because
1: no one who's shopping for a BMW is going to buy an Acura. This, I think, is, a, this yeah. is a car that's going up against Buick. Realistically acura is now the japanese buick but i'm not even going to say I'm, that because i'm having
0: an issue with that actually that because might not be Buick is thing. better
1: than <laughs> acura and so they're like what the japanese buick used to be in 2001 let's say that's that's their market position right now i think they're in a better place than lincoln Ooh. but man if that's if that's how you're defining your brand
0: can we talk, actually, then about Buick? If you wanted to compare this car to Buick, I think Buick would would, would compare very favorably with the uh, the Regal GS.
1: Well, see, I'd like to wait for a couple weeks because I'm going to be driving the new GS in, okay. in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk about it then, I think, when I've actually because, had time behind it. Well,
0: let me just, I mean, let me, per, let me hit, hit a primer for the, the people who are wondering. The GS uses a V6. It makes 310 horsepower. That's 20 more than that, than the Acura. It also has a nine-speed transmission. also has all-wheel drive with a torque vectoring um, setup in the rear. So it's a pretty reasonable comparison to make. And the pricing is just about right. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it. But I don't think Acura should be in the business
1: of building cars to compete with Buick. I don't think I, that's a successful business model.
0: Yeah, cars with Buick is not a good thing. I mean, Acura's um, crossovers have been pretty popular Uh, Pretty good as well. I think their MDX is fantastic. And um, the new RDX prototype, um, it bodes well, I think. I think I can't wait to see what, uh, if they'll just make a tiny MDX, which is an important, a good thing, or if they screw it up and don't. Why don't they just stop selling
1: cars and move completely into SUVs? I mean, if you look at the TLX, they sold 23,000 last year. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. That's half of what they sold in 2015. And 2015 got the boost because I believe the model, yeah, the model came out in 2014, middle of the year, end of the year. So that all the people who were waiting for a TLX bought it in 2015, and they they lost 10,000 sales each year since then. And that's 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 not great. The vehicle is only three years old, and they've already halved their sales. If you look at the Lexus IS, it sold a little bit better than the TLX last year, but mm-hmm. the year before it did a, it did it's seeing a similar kind of trajectory where it went from like 46 to 37 to 26. So it almost feels like both of these cars are on the downward slope, even I mean, though the TLX is so new.
0: That's actually a really important thing to, to bring up. I mean, are our, our sports stands still relevant when people can get all-wheel drive um, luxury in a crossover at around the same price without the compromise of it being in a, in a small space, you know, you get get
1: different compromises. I mean, you get the compromise of poor handling and, and increased weight and lower fuel economy.
0: I mean, poor handling is, is, I don't know. I think people are are willing to put up with poor handling when they get uh, a more practical vehicle. It makes sense that a bigger car does not handle as well as, as a sedan.
1: Well, yeah, but don't, don't compare it to a sports sedan then.
0: Okay. Um, in the sports sedan segment, do you have a favorite? Ben? pass on that question. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think the C class is my favorite. Um because I think it embodies that um that balance between sportiness, luxury and um and just size and and practicality altogether. And especially in Canada you can get it with a wagon. That's pretty cool. Um the TLX is far from that. Even the Lexus IS is very far from that. The Lexus IS is a very good car, but it's old. The uh, infotainment system is probably the worst you'll ever experience in your life. Um, it's frustrating. It feels like um, it feels like you're designed to crash in it. Like <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking about.
1: What What do you mean designed to crash?
0: While using the infotainment system in oh, the oh, I thought you just meant like
1: the car in general. Oh no! Like, come on have you dri- have
0: you driven a car with a Remote Touch? No, it's absolutely terrible. I'm not, I'm not. I I didn't hear the beginning. Part even of what you were people, saying. even even passengers, uh, who got their hands on that remote touch system, they could not believe what they were doing with it. They they couldn't believe that that was the way to to use an uh, an automotive infotainment system. Oh, we've beaten up on remote touch many times on this podcast. That's for sure. But the Lexus IS definitely felt like more of a driver's car, while the TLX felt more practical, uh, reasonable to drive, easier to live with every day. It also it's has two sport modes um i believe if you wanted a sport plus mode in the lexus is you have to get the f sport variant and that will just make a sport plus version that i think has lesser um, intervention from traction control
1: i mean also if you're looking at driver's car the, the is is a rear-wheel drive platform and um things like engine placement and packaging are very different and that's going to have a, a a fair impact on how engaging a car can feel in the TLX which is a front wheel drive platform
0: a front wheel drive platform but like i said you get that benefit of a of a very advanced all wheel drive system and i don't the lexus's uh, all wheel drive system seems less um, less significant than the
1: uh, sure but the, the, the chassis itself is going to be you have to overcome that i mean you're looking at things
0: like engine placement and understeer that are built into the platform you know what? Honestly, driving the uh, TLX, and I did drive it in some of the uh, serious snow that we hit. It handled really well, um, and that has a lot to do with winter tires, of course. But I think the the all wheel drive system is just better suited to and, and quicker to respond to changing conditions, and I think that's a positive for Acura. They should really be they should really be pushing that, especially in this weather. Um, it's an interesting car. I think we, you summed it up well. They'll they'll really They'll, they'll really be set up to compete against the Buick Regal GS, which is not a place any automaker wants to be. On the other hand, the Lexus IES can still stake its claim against a 3 Series, I think. Um, it's not as powerful. It's not as pretty on the inside. But, you know, performance-wise, it still makes you feel like you're a boss while you're driving it. Um, ben, what did you drive? You drove something a little bit more interesting than a, than some rebadged Hondas.
1: No, I totally disagree. I drove something that was completely
0: invisible uh, what? on the road. Yeah, I drove a Honda Odyssey. Ooh, the Honda Odyssey. Actually, you know what? You told me that you drove the Honda Odyssey recently, and uh, I brought up the point that all the synonyms with the word Odyssey are also um, like th- like three-row or or family-friendly crossovers. There's Journey. That's a Dodge Journey. There's Voyage. There used to be a, a Plymouth Voyager, if I remember correctly. What else? There's Quest. That's a Nissan van that I don't think is available anymore. So is the Odyssey, like, the number one minivan that has to do with a, a trip of some kind? I don't know.
1: It's it's <laughs> So it was weird because the week before I was driving the BMW i8, and um, to go from, like, a car where everyone's staring at you to the Odyssey where you might as well not exist, it was a really, really stark contrast. Okay. Uh, the Odyssey is the the automotive equivalent of of wallpaper. It's a very functional vehicle that is intended to do a job, one specific job, or actually, I guess, many different jobs in terms of what you're hauling around. But it's 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 function first. It's it's the pickup truck of the van world. You know, like minivans. They're not cargo vans. They're not passenger vans. They're both. Um, and. Um, it, 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 the weird thing is a minivan like the odyssey is way 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 more practical than any of the crossovers or suvs that are on sale right now but minivan sales were obliterated by suvs about 10 years ago because people didn't want to be seen in them
0: this is an interesting situation to to, to bring up uh the odyssey which trim level did you have the the top trim level uh touring I uh, i'm not sure if it was touring or elite oh yes elite i don't know what an elite is but that is it Um, That means it was loaded with all kinds of technology, but crossovers we've we just brought we brought up a a whole a conversation about all-wheel drive crossovers can be equipped with all-wheel drive and that can be a buying for whatever reason people feel more confident with a car with all-wheel drive Well,
1: you can also get all-wheel drive with the toyota sienna if you wanted. if you wanted yeah. a minivan with all-wheel drive it's available but what's kind of weird is uh minivans have become really really expensive and the sienna with all-wheel drive is a great example this this version of the, the odyssey is also a great example because they've kind of i think what car companies realized <laughs> is no one's buying minivans anymore so we need a way to make profit and in order to make profit you kind of have to load them up with features and i think they felt well you know if people want to make themselves feel better about buying a minivan so they're going to load it with as much gear as they can and that really drives up the transaction price for for a company like Honda this i mean is... the the odyssey
0: starts at 30 grand yeah i don't know how i don't know how i feel about that i mean i think minivans are extremely Practical vehicles, more practical than people ever give them credit for. They're they're not just for families. I honestly think that no,
1: they are the most practical vehicle out there. But if you're buying the Elite, you're paying forty-six thousand dollars. Oh my God, that's so yeah. much. That's you're you're near you're, you're it's forty six seven seventy. That's the MSRP on the Elite.
0: You could buy an Acura TLX super handling V six all wheel drive model.
1: And now now that I'm reading the feature spec out, to refresh my memory, I'm pretty sure that's the model I was driving because it had the ventilated and heated front seats. I had the rain sensitive windshield wipers. I had all of that gear. So it's yeah it's and um. It had the blue ambient lighting inside. It was really, really fancy. There, there was so much going on inside the van that, honestly, it felt a little overwhelming. And I had some problems with how many features the van had. Did you have the vacuum? I assume I had the vacuum. I didn't go back there and use it because it's it, cause it's so cold and I had no need to do it. Um, Is the vacuum
0: only usable if you're outside the car? If you're like, you can't use it within the car?
1: When I'm going to crawl over three rows of seats to get to the
0: rear hatch. I mean if you don't want to be outside to use it
1: that's kind of weird
0: man like would you I mean, do that
1: Yeah I mean if
0: I wanted to see how the vacuum worked. um
1: anyway <laughs> it works like a vacuum yeah, I'm sure Are you familiar with how vacuums work Is that like in space It's totally like in space It's like that scene in Aliens where like at the end they think that they're off the planet but really the alien queen had like come up with them on the dropship Wow, ship.
0: spoiler alert holy yeah, fuck and they ben. have to
1: they have to blow it out the airlock again then <laughs> I'm sorry for
0: the spoiler on the thirty-five year old movie. God darn it. Okay. Uh, how about a spoiler alert on how this car what was the most important thing that you want to talk about? Is it the is it the handling? Is it the features? Is it the price? Is it is it did it feel luxurious? Something called Elite it didn't really feel luxurious it was comfortable
1: but it didn't feel like you know what van feels luxurious and this is my favorite minivan in a world where i have to have a favorite minivan like Pick current me. current minivan because obviously my favorite minivan of all time is the toyota van that came with an ice machine in the 80s but um <laughs> was, was
0: it, it, it because i think the pacific is pretty good
1: no it's the kia sedona because well, you can get cool. you can get an ottoman in it you can get crazy second row chairs it's really comfortable, and it looks great inside, and it's not quite as expensive as the Odyssey. So all of those things have really kind of pushed me into the Kia camp. But none of that means that the Odyssey is in any way a bad van. It's just expensive. Um, there's a lot of features that are complicated. Like, it had automatic doors. Are you telling totally, sorry. sorry, hold
0: on. Are automatic doors too complicated for you, Ben?
1: Well, the way Honda's implemented them, yes. So it should uh, just be a button. It should open and close the door. I totally agree with you. And if that's how they work, then it would be amazing. But that's what not how they work. About? What
0: are you talking about? So I I, I came wrong?
1: home one night and I went to I, there are these buttons that that ostensibly open and close the, the side sliding doors on either on either side of the vehicle. And I'm pushing the buttons and they're just beeping at me beep 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 each time I push them. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. I'm in park. I'm sitting there. It turns out that the car all the doors are locked because when you lock when you drive the car it automatically locks the doors. But when you put it it in park, it doesn't unlock them. And some people I know who who are parents have said, well, that's when you get to your destination, the kids don't just open the door and run out. Okay, I guess that's an explanation. But if I'm pushing that button, clearly I want to open those doors from the front of the car. So if I'm the driver and that door is locked, the one that's behind me to the left, let's say the sliding door, and there's a button that just opens that door, that should unlock the door too because I'm, I'm the one who locked it. You know what I mean? It's not like there's someone in the third row who's like, no, 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 let me unlock that door before you can use the slider. It doesn't make sense to have dual functionality like that. Why do I have to hit the unlock button and then hit the door open button? In any modern, almost any modern car, if it's locked and you pull on the door handle, it'll open. Unless you have a childproof setting specifically set. Yeah. So I don't see why this front button that a kid is not going to be touching can't be set to unlock. Anyway, it took me – the only reason I figured out how to get them open is because they open the driver's door. And when you open the driver's door, it's the master unlock for the yeah, whole yeah. van. So once that happened, the door behind me opened again. Why is opening the driver's door the master unlock for the van? That doesn't make sense.
0: I like that the this, car beeped at you as if you were the problem. Like, excuse yeah. you, could you unlock first? This is yeah, ridiculous.
1: It, it was just annoying. And and it, the reason I bring it up is because there's so many buttons and features inside this high-end trim of the Odyssey that that kind of thing happened again and again. There was another time where I'm trying to use a stereo system and – I, the speakers were set to the front of the vehicle only. And it has yeah. a list of what okay. you can set it to. You can set it to front, driver, rear seat, or all positions. And I wanted to set it to all positions, but that was grayed out. And I'm like, why is that grayed out? It turns out it's grayed out because the DVD entertainment system for the rear seats was on. I didn't know that because I'm not sitting back there. But you have to turn that system. And it wasn't being used. There was no DVD in it, but it was just on. It was powered on. So you have to go into the menu. Find the DVD entertainment system, turn it off from the front seat, go back to audio, and then your options are available. It's it's stuff like that that was piling up and making me think, oh man, like there's just a lot going on here. Another thing, the the um. And this is a complaint I have about many cars, but it was specific to the Odyssey. It had automatic windshield wipers, which, is, which comes with the Elite. Mm-hmm. They were terrible. They were absolutely terrible at telling when there was anything on the windshield. Um, they would either go crazy or not do anything at all. And that's a problem. <laughs> it, it's usually with snow. You have yeah, that Orion. issue.
0: yeah.
1: Uh, so th- those are my complaints about the vehicle. Things I liked about it, uh, it's front wheel drive, but it didn't get stuck. Um, the, I had a lot of wheel spin with winter tires, mm-hmm. but I was able to get in and out of my alley, which is very snowy, without any real issues. It It's comfortable enough to drive. The transmission's kind of weird. I believe the, uh, does the, the Elite come with the 9-speed or the 10-speed? I believe I it's it the has nine... the 10. 10-speed. Ten no, I... I think it was the nine-speed. I think that's what I had in the car. Well,
0: that's interesting. I mean, I know in the U.S., the touring model, the touring model comes with the tenth speed AT, and I believe the Elite is just a, a, an option, the next option.
1: Okay. Up. Well, maybe I had an Elite and I just couldn't shift up into the tenth gear because I wasn't in. <laughs> no, but it's possible. Like sometimes that tenth gear, it's it's a very specific situation mm-hmm. for you to be able, like you have to be going downhill or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the transmission felt like a CVT. In it, a good it, way or a bad way in what way could that possibly be good? Like, who gets out of a car and is like, you know, I really like how this feels like a CVT?
0: <laughs> You're insane. Some CVTs can be actually um, smooth in a way. and Sure, uh,
1: but that doesn't mean I, I want a car to feel that way. It's 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 like saying...
0: They you have you gotta... no gear changes. There's no shift shock. There's no anything like that. There could be... Shift shock? Yeah, you know that weird, like, uh, that weird rocking motion you get when you get from, like, first to second or second to third or something like that. Or downshift as well. You get this like head rock, this head moment, this head motion. And CBTs don't have that.
1: I've never, never, ever thought about that in my entire life until now.
0: Well, now you will.
1: Um, anyway, it kind of felt like a CVT in the sense that I felt like the engine was always revving. I felt like the, the, mm. the many ratios kept it in like a, kept the engine at, At an RPM where I was always hearing the engine. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: And that's not what you want in a car like that, right? You want you want a quieter car, something you can yell at your kids at with.
1: Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) and that's the other thing. I don't have children, so I wasn't able to test out, you know, the practicality features in the second and third rows. There's lots of space back there. It's very big inside. That's not an issue at all. And it drives fine. It's not great. It it just it drives fine. The power is adequate. The handling is adequate.
0: What about Um, visibility? I mean, did it feel like you were driving a big car?
1: Oh yeah, it feels really big because it is really big. And uh, all of these things are absolutely okay for a minivan, you know? And yeah. and a lot of what I've said is why people didn't really like driving them, but a lot of what I've said also is true of most crossovers and SUVs. So it, it's just kind of it's 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 like the the Odyssey, I'm glad that it exists because it's it's so useful and uh, it it you don't need like a suburban to seat 7 people. You, mm-hmm. you can get a van that's considerably smaller and more fuel efficient um, but it's I don't know paying that much money for a van it, it's it's like it, pickup trucks became luxury items too right so what's something that started off in the utility side of the spectrum has really kind of migrated over to the well we need to make some money so now here's some leather
0: side of the spectrum interesting and did it ever feel like it was worth forty six thousand dollars? I don't even know what that means. Like, like did, uh, I mean, that's a serious question. I mean, did it ever feel or look like that it was something... That's luxury car territory, man. That's that's really premium car territory. Did it ever really feel that way? Not really, no. So that's, no. that's because
1: Because the interior is okay, but the experience isn't luxurious overall. Maybe
0: because it's you beeping, know what I mean? beeping at you for, for not doing the right
1: thing. Well, just the drivetrain and the chassis, it's, it's not a luxurious experience.
0: Can I ask you about one of the features? Uh, it's called Cabin Watch. I did not use it. Can you? Do you know what how it works? Do you know what it is?
1: I assume you can spy on your kids. It's a
0: spy camera for the other for the back seats. What's the deal with that? The
1: deal is people can't turn around or use mirrors. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I don't have I don't have children, and I can't really speak to those those kinds of features. I don't really want to review features that don't apply to my personal experience because I, I'm not going to you know, trash talk Honda for including equipment that might be very good. You should have put your cat in the back seat. No, my cat hates driving a vehicle. Yeah,
0: that's why. It would be great.
1: No, it would be terrible and he would run under the accelerator <laughs> and it would be
0: horrible. Everyone is concerned that cats will just make a dive for the one thing in the car. Like, um, like it would just go straight for the accelerator. It knows. It'll just hang out there. Have you ever seen a cat do that? I've seen a cat do that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> But I think it was just being a silly cat at my feet. I think you're being a silly cat. Okay, you know what? I'm going to take that as a, a chance to talk about our reader question. Yeah,
1: so we had a Jason write into us this week to ask us about the Corvette Z06, specifically the C7 Z06. And Jason's right. question was asking us if we felt that the C7 Z06 is the most undermarketed sports car currently in the business. And his point was. This is a car that is within a second of the Ford GT at a racetrack like VIR. Mm -hmm. It is a car that has an insane amount of horsepower, incredible mechanical grip, yet costs, I believe, roughly around $100,000. So Mm -hmm. you have a $100,000 car that is able to hang with vehicles like the NSX, the $500,000 Ford GT, the uh, McLaren's, AMG GTR, cars that are more expensive. Right. And uh, his point was, why are we hearing more about this? Like, why isn't Chevrolet
0: trumpeting this from the heavens? I think, uh, I think there's there's something to be said about Corvettes. Um, the, the, I remember the Z06 used to have an overheating issue. Uh, the z 06? Uh, 06? Z06. That's that's right. It uh, used to have an overheating issue with, with, back in its early days that uh, really knocked its its reputation down. Um it was like the last but we heard about it, right? It was it was early production cars,
1: according to Jason, early production cars, and, and they fixed it with a secondary radiator mm-hmm. so that he he personally, he has a C706, he's never had this problem and he's on the track on a regular basis along with other owners. Um, I remember Cadillac was able to avoid that problem with the same engine, mm-hmm. um, the same supercharged V8, because they had more frontal area in the C T S V, so they were able to get more air under the hood of the car in front of the radiator, so they didn't have the same types of problems. I think... The ZL1
0: but, has, or ZL1 has the same, uh, the same scenario as well.
1: So, uh, to, to, it's it's reasonable to expect that yes, there was some bad press at first about this vehicle, and that probably did impact sales. But that doesn't mean that doesn't really explain why Chevy hasn't gone full throttle with 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 the marketing, or why the media is kind of was that the only story about the C7? Like, is that is that it? We reported about that problem, and then it's dead. I mean, he makes the point that the 991 GT3, I mean, they had engines catching fire in that car. Yeah, and they had to
0: replace every single engine.
1: Yeah, and and, uh, uh, the problem with what Porsche did with their solution is, let's say you're a collector Mm -hmm. and you bought a a GT3 to park that you're going to put it on jack stands and sell it at Barrett-Jackson in 30 years. If you replace the engine and you have a new non-members matching engine, or however Porsche decided to deal with it, all of a sudden you have a car with a story. And mm-hmm. a car with a story is not the kind of car you're going to make a lot of money with at an auction. Yeah. I would have been so
0: mad. That's uh, that's an interesting point of view. I never actually considered the collectors when when thinking about the, the GT3 scenario. But let's get back to the C7. Um, this is an interesting point of view. Um I think when the remember when the Nissan GTR showed up and it was under $100,000 and it could it could wipe at least in 0 to 60 times it could take care of everything and it was well under $100,000. And every time you went on a on a messaging forum or uh or any conversation about what car is faster, someone would just throw in this GTR and the conversation would be done. It would that's it. That's it's the GTR, always is the GTR. The C7 06, z 06 has an opportunity to be that car. Um, but nobody seems to really love have a lot of love for Corvettes in the same way that they do with Nissan's, and I wonder why that is. Is that because I don't know? It's... I I think people have love for Corvettes, and I, I think that you know, even
1: you don't even have to go with the Z06 to have a very track capable Corvette. If you look at the Grand Sport, the Grand sport, that's, sport yeah. that's a great. It's not. It, it is a little pricey for compared to a regular Vette, but you get a great package in terms of cooling, um, suspension, and it's. It's formidable on a racetrack. Oh, yes. I, I drove you... one. Mm-hmm. I drove one at Atlanta Motorsports Park last year, and I was extremely impressed with with. I could just go out and beat on the car for lap after lap after lap in a hot on a hot day, and it was turning in. I I went. Um, a, a colleague of mine had gone to the track a couple weeks later with his Porsche Club, and the number the times I was turning in, I had just bit. Uh, that's the first time I'd ever driven a Grand Sport, and I was ten to ten seconds faster than some of the 911s that were running with his club. See, and I, th- I think that's really impressive for that's
0: a car really interesting the price point. Because I think you you say um, – bringing up the 911 is an interesting point because sometimes the 911 you have to account for its uh, engine placement. Um, or at well, at least, You always have to account for its engine placement. But that doesn't mean you can't get a good time out of it. But it means that you have to you have to know how to drive that car in a specific way. And I don't think the Corvette has the same um, compromise. Is that, is that possible? say so you can just jump in into it and drive it fast you can right jump away.
1: you can jump into any modern 911 and do the same
0: thing yeah modern 911s are pretty good
1: and that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about same model year 911s well okay i'm not talking about like 930 death machines you know <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> which is what they were marketed as maybe the c7 z06 should be marketed as a death machine and people will be really into it then how do you get how do you bring the love back to the the, the c7
1: I don't know. It. I guess you have to. It's. It's. It, people have to get over themselves. The media has to get over itself. I'm not sure. It's. What about it's this kind of a weird
0: mid-engine Corvette that everyone? Well, that's what I was about, about to say. Yeah. That's what I was
1: about to say. Everyone wants to talk about uh, the the upcoming crazy C8 and what that's going to be like. So it kind of feels like the Z06 has been lost in the shuffle of all that talk. And you know, there's always this the ZR1 Specter too. It's, oh yeah. It's,
0: it's that it's, car seems it's, insane.
1: It's just at this point, you know, like where does the Z06 fit into the hierarchy of Corvette? I mean, personally, if you don't need the power, you save a lot of money sticking with the Grand Sport. Mm-hmm. But if you do step up to the Z06, you end up with what is essentially a supercar.
0: For but for it's not supercar money for for yeah. Interior. So
1: so you're ending up with uh, you ha- you have this situation where you can buy this very approachable supercar that you can drive every day. And it's kind of like fallen into a hole <laughs> in terms of public perception.
0: And how does that happen with an enthusi- with such an enthusiast-friendly car? It just seems unfair. You're right. Uh, and I think Jason did a great point of, uh, of bringing it up here. And you know what's also yeah. interesting is taking a look at the cars that he, he talked about, um, 720, AMG GTR, GT3, NSX, and Performante. I believe those cars, the Lamborghini Huracan Performante, I believe all those cars are automatic? I think the GT3 you can get with a manual now. Yeah. And you can get a manual C7 Z06. That is an enthusiast car that I would love to get my hands on. And I would probably, I would really, if it's as good as I think it is, um, I would probably champion that car pretty heavily. So thank
1: you, Jason, for writing in. It's a, it's a great question. Gave us give a us. lot to talk us, about,
0: yeah. Think yeah, about and it. a lot to think about,
1: too. And, you know, it's... It's it's not always a meritocracy when you when you're comparing sports cars a lot of it is like you said, marketing. But uh, public perception can be a really hard thing to fight. If you look at stuff, especially in the in the pony car world, where you have Mustang GT and Camaro, mm-hmm. those cars are essentially sports car-like in terms of the performance they can offer these days. But it's been really hard for them to shake the image that they only go fast in a straight line. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it takes, I don't even know how many years a car like the Mustang has been you know, viable, out-of-the-box in a track environment, and yet people don't really recognize that. So there's so much built-up inertia that fights against transitioning from the old to the new.
0: And that's a really good point. I think that's that's really important. Uh, the Corvette, I think, had a few years where it wasn't seen as something that would ever be mentioned in the same breath as those cars that we had before. But now, just in one model year, uh, I mean, sorry, one generation, it has the guts to really take it to the rest of the world like Like, the actual rest of the world
1: even before that though i mean the c6 is i think the c6 z06 is the best performance bargain on the market that and the the 996 porsche 911 turbo these Mm -hmm. are cars that have depreciated to a crazy point you're looking at like what between 30 and 40 for a really great example of either of those vehicles Mm -hmm. and either of them are incredible in a high performance environment and have a lot of potential if you wanted more power or handling and it's it's um Again, it's not really people – they're like, oh, well, the C6 interior is kind of plasticky, and then people – they look at the 996 Turbo, and they're, like, kind of scared about potential maintenance. But that car is phenomenally reliable compared to other 911s of its era. And the interior of the Corvette, you probably won't notice it while you're clipping an apex because you're probably going to be having too big of a smile on your face. So it's like it's a question of prioritizing what you want in a vehicle.
0: I think. But I mean, like honestly, the C4 and the C5, those were uh, those were kind of gimpy cars, and that's a long time that those cars were not. Um... I, I I like the C5 a lot.
1: I mean, it's for like twenty grand getting the Z06 C5 is that's a hell of a lot of car. The C5 does have a lot more, a, a few more issues that you have to deal with as a used car, especially if you're going to be beating on it mm-hmm. compared to a C6. But it's still a heck of a lot of car.
0: I don't know. I think some people, uh, enthusiasts, looked at it back in the day, and it wasn't at the top of its uh, – uh, it wasn't at peak performance territory. There were other cars out there that just caught more eyeballs. And I think Corvette has a lot of um, repair, a lot of like emergency crisis situation to deal with to bring it up to the, the level that it is at now with the rest of the enthusiast uh, mindset. I don't know. I, I
1: think Corvette repaired its image a long time ago. I think we've had five, six, seven years of incredible Corvettes. Yes, I no, good.
0: engineering-wise, they're amazing. But I think just brand recognition-wise, needs to get up there. No? <clears throat> what? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. Uh, you know what's cool, though, is that they've been erasing these things, um, and kicking butt pretty decently uh, over the past few years. It's a shame that Cadillac, the Cadillac DPI racing system, um, I mean, racing team is is taking all the glory away from the Corvette racing team, but for a long time, Corvette was really killing it out there. So um, with that, I think we're going to wrap
1: up this week's podcast. If you want to hear more of our ramblings, and this has been a very rambling podcast this, this week, you can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, and there are links to whatever favorite podcast service you like to use iTunes Google play it's up to you it's all there you can also find us on any of those services by searching for unnamed automotive podcast or our Facebook page which is unnamed
0: automotive podcast as well uh, and also if you want to get in touch with either of us I think it would be a great idea to get to reach out to us on Twitter um, you can find me at Sammy underscore ha like you're laughing or you can find Ben at hunting Benjamin uh, anything else we're missing there Ben I don't think so. Sammy, where, where are you heading next week? Uh, next week, I will be going to a winter driving course in the Swiss Alps, hosted by Maserati, which is pretty cool. And I'll be following that up with a drive, the rear-wheel drive, the limited edition rear-wheel drive Audi, v, uh, Audi R8 V10. So I'm very excited about that. That is a very, very fancy week.
1: That's a super fancy week. I'm going to Atlanta, uh, back to Atlanta Motorsports Park to drive the Buick Regal GS, and I will also be driving the refreshed 2019 Buick Regal, I'm sorry, Buick Envision.
0: Ooh, how did they, they refresh that already? It feels like I just drove the Envision.
1: It did just come out, but I believe it had some other model years going on in some other markets, so that might have accelerated things a little bit.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And, Ben, thanks for your time for talking to me all about that Honda Odyssey. (laughs) I loved it. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.